Wow, 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 wow. Man, what a song service. Amen. What a wonderful name it is. Say it with me. Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. Say it with me. Jesus. What a powerful name it is. Say it with me. Jesus. What a powerful name it is. Say it with me. Jesus. And one more time, let's just give that wonderful, powerful name a clap offering. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of James, chapter 1. And when you find James, chapter 1, I want you to take, this will be your choice, one of your ten fingers and mark James chapter 1. And when you found James chapter 1, taking the finger of your choice and try to use one of yours and not somebody next to you. And you can be thankful this morning that you've got ten because I just looked at Junior and I misquoted it. Use the choice of nine, brother. you got ten, you ought to be thankful. Once you've marked it, set it in your lap and listen. You got it marked? Travel back with me to last Sunday morning. This revival started off in our buildings. Thought well, we'd be back to one of them this morning, but God reminded me He don't dwell in houses built by men. Mike alluded to it in his prayer. And we have figured out at Exciting Southeast Baptist His plans are much better than our plans. And although we plan to be in a new building that was built with hands, God decided to have us out under a tent and so we just trust His plans are better than our plans. Because His ways are higher than our ways. And His thoughts higher than our thoughts. But we did start off last Sunday morning with a pastor by the name of Gary Caldwell. He would stand behind the pulpit. You correct me if I'm wrong. Seldom move. I love Gary Colwell, and I know who he's listened to as a mentor. And if you've ever heard Jerry Vines preach, you'd say, I see it. Because when he gets up and he says, I love exciting Southeast Baptist Church. I love your Am I anywhere close? He's my book. And man, he took, and I know his mentors, Jerry Vines, because I, he every sermon he preaches, he is exegeting. He preaches expositorily. Right down the pages. And so this man starts out his personality and he preaches to you and I 
out of, of, of Mark chapter 4 of a very familiar passage, the sower and the seed. He pointed out to you and I that the seed is the word of God. He pointed out to you and I that the sower is you and I. And then he pointed out the soil. And remember, he had that basket of seeds sitting on the... And he said, we're not to examine the soil, we're to sow the seed. Very powerful word. Some of us not sowed the seed in a family member, a co-worker, because you've examined and you think their heart, their soil is too hard. What a word. Just sow the seed. Don't examine the soil. And he pointed out, if we do that, and he hardly ever moved behind the pulpit, we'll have success. There'll be some good soil. Some will bring forth 30, 60, and 100 fold. What a message. And then he come out here that evening, and after we had a good lunch, he stood right up here, and he says, I love coming to the celebration of life revival. <laughs> he said, would you turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, 3 through 5? And he began to preach if you remember that message, he said, what emerges from this text, boy, that's big words, isn't it? Yeah. What emerges from this text, what it affirms is there is an afterlife. And he preached on the afterlife and had many scriptures that spoke of the afterlife. But then, hardly ever moving behind the pulpit, he said, but what else emerges from this text is there's eternal life. And he made sure we knew the difference in an afterlife and an eternal life. But he said, I'm going to close because in this text, something that emerges and is affirmed from this text is not just an afterlife and not just eternal life, but this life is a reserved life. And then, Gary went home. And we arrived here on a Monday night and you thought it was Henry Winkler, but it was Danny Gander. <laughs> Nobody that looks more like Fonzie to me than Danny Gander. He's not a cowboy and when I arrived, he had on skinny jeans. <laughs> He's not a cowboy, but I looked down and he had on thick soled crepe boots with those skinny jeans and here's what I immediately thought you come dressed like that to exciting Southeast Baptist you better preach a great sermon not a good sermon you better preach a great sermon see you think these things I think them and I say it and I thought to myself dress like that brother you better bring it and if you was here, we moved from a preacher that stood right behind the pulpit and seldom moved, that kind of dressed like us, to a guy that didn't dress like us. And he told us to open our Bibles to Mark chapter 9. And I'm going to tell you, he told us who need revival. And that's the bad people. That's the bruised people. That's the burdened people. And that's the broken people. And that's the between people, the lukewarm people. I thought that was his sermon. And lo and behold, that was only the introduction. 
And he was all fired up. And I thought, he's going to mess around bringing no skinny jeans. And then he told us from the scripture of the Mount Transfiguration that if we want to see what's in this message, it's a message of hope. And aren't we glad we've got hope? And in that sermon, he said it's a message of holiness. And he said the problem and the reason we don't have the Shekinah glory cloud over us is there's no holiness in the church of God. And there's no hope in the church of God. And he said from that text, we'll get it if we'll just realize there's a message of humility in this. We will get the Shekinah glory, the revival cloud above us if we'll just get rid of our pride. And I'm going to tell you, maybe one of the greatest messages I heard was Monday night from a guy in skinny jeans with cowboy boots. But then he come back, and don't forget, he's the guy that said, ladies and gentlemen, over and over. He's the guy that come out and says, can I say something? I want to jump up and tell him we don't really like to be referred to as ladies and gentlemen. We're brothers and sisters. Yeah. We're just friends. Come on, man. Get rid of the ladies and gentlemen. But listen, I didn't say nothing. This guy in skinny jeans and boots. <laughs> and then listen, I'm a preacher and we don't need to ask if we can say something. Just say it. Yeah. But man, that next night, do you remember what he preached? The man that missed Easter. Oh, that was Judas Iscariot. And he preached with fire. Listen, this man had a fake Christianity. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. He said it's, it's, it's possible to disguise your unbelief. He said, and this man that missed Easter, he had false repentance. If you remember, Judas had remorse, but not repentance. And he said, the man that missed Easter in this message, listen to this. Not just fake Christianity, not just false repentance. There'll be a fatal outcome. The man busted hell wide open. You know what daddy down there tree preached at? He got in his car and headed back to Oklahoma City. Would you agree with me that Gary Caldwell and Danny Dander, two completely different personalities? Yeah. And then what happened? <coughs> Here comes Wednesday night. He just moved the pole. <laughs> and if you was here, he preached out of Psalms 24. He says it's got a historical message. And he gave us a historical message. He said, Psalms chapter 24, I want you to know it's got a symbolic message. And man, I believe Marty's more animated than he's ever been. Because it was then that he walked right down Thanksgiving Avenue. He rounded Amen Corner. Listen, he went up Hallelujah Boulevard. And then he turned and went down Beulah Land Lane. And I thought, man, if he's going to be symbolic, he's got to come out of it. And I was listening real close. Now he's got to come down Beulah Land Lane because he went up it. And sure enough, I watched the words. He said, so he turned and he came down to do the landline. He rounded Amen Corner. And I was listening. He turned up. Hallelujah Boulevard. So this time he's got to come down. And he come down. And I thought, man, that guy's like he's always been. He's real careful with his words. And it could be because he's got an old young boy that he mentors that's always watching. Animated. <laughs> 
as he preached the historic message, the symbolic message, and he continued to preach. And after the symbolic message, he gave us a prophetic message of what was to come. But man, did he close it strong? It's got a practical message. And maybe you need to lower the gates of your heart and let in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And what we thought to be the last night, he come in and he thought it important to preach the doctrine of salvation because he's one that's told me, you better have some doctrine in your church lest you get left with a sick church. The church needs some doctrine lest it be sick. And it was just the doctrine of salvation and how we ought to be correct in our salvation. How we ought to be confident in our salvation. And how we ought to be careful in our salvation. And he closed it, you better be certain on your salvation. And man, little been known to us that the revival would extend and go to Friday. And he come in and he preached a message out of Jeremiah 18. One of the best messages I've ever heard out of there. Two points, he said. Just simply the potter and the clay. And he talked about what our we was as clay. Remember, he said when he calls us a sheep, that's not a compliment. But something worse than being called a sheep is being called a clay. Why? Because it's not pretty. Huh? It's not pricey. And it's not promising. He talked about just a piece of clay. But man, did we get fired up when he said what clay is. He said it's sock. Aren't you glad Jesus sought us as the clay? It's separated. It's scrutinized. It, it, it's softened. It's strengthened. It's set apart. But then he said, but then there's the potter. Remember what the potter does? He sees our flaws. And every one of us has got some flaws that nobody else can see. Except the potter. Huh? He spins the wheel. That's why we're not in the building. He spun the wheel so we'd be under a tent today. He spins the wheel. He shapes the vessel. And listen, not only that, my dear friends, He secures the clay. The whole time it never leaves His hand. So would you agree with me? Marty's personality was different than Danny's and different than Gary's. And then last night, here come little B. And he come up behind that pulpit. And I just pick up on what preachers do. Anybody out there? How many times he say that? Can I get an amen? Oh, but he preached the star thing. You say, what are you getting at, preacher? I'm getting at this. We started off with a guy. We went two services. We changed men. We went two services. We changed men. We went three services. We changed men. We went one. And now we're at another service. And guess what's changed again? The man. I don't have the personality like Gary has because every one of us is fearfully and wonderful men. I don't dress like Danny Gander. I'm not going to call you ladies and gentlemen. I may call you something, but it won't be ladies and gentlemen. I'm not Marty Bryce. 
feel great. And I want you to listen to me. What happened every night? Souls were saved. Lives were changed. And you know that fired me up when I began to think about that little Bob. If the same thing was happening every night, but it was totally different personalities that was delivering the message, there had to be a common denominator. Didn't it? You know what it was? They took the charge from God that Paul gave Timothy. You know what that charge was? Preach the word. In season and out of season, we're going to go extra day. Well, that wasn't in season. We'll preach it out. I'm supposed to start revival Sunday morning at First Baptist Telequal. This Saturday evening eating season. Don't matter. Preach it anyway. Preach the word in season and out of season. So with all the different personalities and all that's happening, the common denominator is nothing other than the word of God. Aren't you glad it's sharp and powerful as any two-edged sword? And can pierce into the heart and soul. Amen. I'm going to tell you, we need the word. When I arrive at the bull cells, I often am anxious to look up a few of the men. Because they're like me, they realize their job is to be an evangelist and serve the Lord, but they have the privilege of selling bulls on the side. And so I'm always anxious to meet up with those guys for a morning breakfast or an evening supper before the sales start. And just simply ask them, what you've been doing for God? What's he let you, what's he been letting you do for his glory and his kingdom? And O'Reilly Shea, I just began to love him. And when I posed that question to him in Burlington, Colorado, over breakfast, he said, man, I couldn't wait to see you. I want to tell you about a trip. We went over to Maguala, or Maguala, some, it's the capital city of Nicaragua. You look it up. I can't say it. Managua. He said, we went over there. And we had a goal of handing out 90,000 Bibles. But he said when the week was over and the dust settled and the smoke cleared, God done it again, Rob. I said he went above and beyond, didn't he? He said, yeah, we didn't quite make it to 100,000. But in one week we handed out 96,000 Bibles. Now you tell me why somebody would leave the good old United States, a pretty little wife and two little kids, get on an airplane with some old men and go across to another country and hand out 96,000 Bibles because he don't have the personality, me or any of the preachers, but he knew the importance of thus saith the Word of God. And God help us pray for our country. Nicaragua is a very socialist country. I said, where'd you get to hand them out? That's a socialist country. He said, in the schools. Wow. I said, in a socialist country. He said, yes, sir. We got a hold of the education association of that country, and they okayed it. And he said, one of the teachers was so fired up. She said, I'm going to read it to them every morning and every noontime. Why do they 
to the understand the importance of the word and let Gideons begin to, to saturate our schools, to saturate our hospitals, and to saturate our motels again with the word of God. Then many of you know that I stood Thursday afternoon behind a casket of a 22-year-old girl that had been gunned down in cold-blooded murder. And that man and those five girls once walked into Exciting Southeast and thank God I was sowing seed and thank God those two oldest come one night and give their life to Jesus. And I was thankful for that. But how many of you know how powerful the Word of God was because I shared this Thursday evening. When the other pastor read the obituary, the sister that was just above this sister and just below, they sandwiched this sister that had been shot and killed. They began to cry so uncontrollably that while I was sitting waiting my turn to preach the message, I said, God, something's got to happen or nobody's going to hear one thing that's said today. Those girls are so brokenhearted. God, calm them. God, God, just quiet them. God, just comfort them. And I began to pray. But when I got up there, listen, they're right there. And they're weeping and they're crying. And it's louder than me over a mic. And I said, God, I ask you. And God just led me to get their attention. 250, 300 people at the funeral. God just led me to tell them two girls. Look up here to preacher. And it took me a minute. And finally, when they looked up, I began to just quote the word of God. Yes. And I was amazed within just a few moments, the tears had dried. And for the next 20 minutes, it was all lies and it was all ears. And it was simply nothing other than the word of God that brought them comfort and brought a quietness to their soul. Are you with me? All kinds of different personalities. But what's needed is the Word of God. This morning, 4.37 a.m. What do you like to do at 4.37 a.m.? Hmm? I got a text. I need some scripture, man. I need some scripture, man. I begin to text him Psalms 3, Psalms 5, Psalms 23, Psalms 91. Pretty soon I got a text. Not that I'm going. Thank you. I needed that. And it worked. What I'm saying to you, no matter where you're at and what you're doing, there's something you need. And it ain't the personalities of different preachers. It's thus saith the Word of God. Amen. Amen. 
with me? Take your finger out. Open your Bible. James 1, 16. James writes it, but it's inspired by God. Don't forget that. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Listen to this. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above and comes from the Father of lights. Listen to this. In whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. We serve a God who don't change, if you want to know what that means. He don't turn. And then it goes on to say, of His own will, He brought us forth by, listen to this, the word of truth. That we might be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be what? Swift to hear. I'd encourage you, listen up this morning. Amen. Slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Amen. Therefore, because all that has been said, let us lay aside all filthiness, overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save our souls. Amen. But be doers of the word. Amen. Well, the word's done showed up quite a bit, hasn't it? And not hearers only. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, I'll tell you what he's like. He's like a man that observes his natural face in the mirror, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But, it's right there, verse 25. He who looks in the perfect law of the liberty, let me tell you what that is. That's the word. So it shows up again. But he who looks into the perfect law of the liberty and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed. Amen. In case you guys ain't got it figured out, we need the word of God. We need the word of God. Can I just borrow Gary? Paul Will's preaching style a minute. I see several things emerge from this scripture. I love listening to other preachers. I see several things emerge, jump off the pages from this scripture. Number one, I see the ratifying of God's word, which brings confirmation. You say, preacher, you've listened to them too long. You're getting outside your vocabulary. Ratifying? 
of God's word, which brings confirmation. Come on, help us out. Ratify simply means to sign or put your stamp of approval on something. And emerging from this scripture, I see the ratifying, the stamp of approval on God's word from who? God. And that brings confirmation. Look what he says. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Look up here. There's many are deceived and they think this book is full of men's thoughts and men's words. James says to you and I this morning, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above. The Father of lights in whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. Would you agree with me? This is a good book. That means it comes from above. Would you agree with me? This is a perfect book. Come on. Then that means it comes from above. I want you to know that Scripture, every bit of it, is inspired by God. And there's a lot of people that they just think this is the thoughts and the words of men. And James tells us in several other places in Scripture, this is good It is perfect, therefore it can't be from men because there's not such thing as a good man. And listen, it's perfect, it can't come from man because there's not a man who's perfect. And this, the Bible, a good and perfect book is inspired, is breathed by Almighty God Himself. We have a God that is not man that He should lie, nor is He the Son of Man that He should repent. And He inspired men to write this book. And so, I want to tell you something. You ought to do for your kids and grandkids, and I appreciate that we've got a peewee class, is what I'm going to call it, where they're giving them memory verses already. Some of you adults can't memorize Scripture. But true, that he already's got Matthew 28, 6. He's done got 1 John 4, 19. He's got some more. But I want to make sure it stays in his heart because if my Bible says if you hide the Word of God in your heart, you might not sin against God. I'm going to do my best to keep true it from going down some of the paths I went down. And so we can be a horseback or we can be in the vehicle. And I'll just simply start one of those verses. I says, He is not here. Man, it touches my heart to hear a three-year-old behind me say, He is risen. Just like I said. I said, where do we find that? He'll say, Matthew 28, 6. So the other day we're headed down the road and he's kicked back. He's got his bug juice. He's kicked back with his feet on the dash. And I said, why do we love? He said, because he first loved us. 1 John 4, 19. I said, where is Jesus? He said, he's in heaven. And he looked at me and I thought we'd done change subjects. He looked over at me and he said, Pastor Paul, inspired. And I just got through paying him high dollar wages for working cattle. And he bought a Spidey bike. I had to take him to Walmart for it. 
First time I've been in Walmart. Your grandkids will make you do things you don't do. And so I thought, man, the guy, he's, he's like a good Baptist. He, the scripture didn't keep his attention very long. And he's already trying to tell me about his spidey bite. I said, your spidey bite? And he looked at me and he said, no, Pastor Paul. Inspired. <laughs> I said, inspired. Where'd you hear that? He said, the Bible. And I'm going to tell you, he's three years old. I don't know where he got it, but he reminded me of something. And let the words of that three-year-old remind you the same thing. We read in there we love because he first loved us. That's straight from God's mouth. True, it would say, inspired. He is risen. He is not there. Just as he said, Matthew 28, 6, that's inspired. In other words, in this text emerges the ratifying of God's word. God stamped his approval on it. It's complete. I signed it. I okayed it. And that ought to bring to you confirmation. We preach from a book that's breathed by God, not the thoughts and words of men. Amen. But furthermore, what emerges from this scripture is not only the ratifying of God's word which brings confirmation but the reverence of God's word which brings salvation now look at it of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. By his own will, he brought us forth, what? By the word of God. By the word of truth. Man, there is so many scriptures. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Psalms 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect at converting the soul. Come on. Peter put it this way. Listen, you have been born again, not of corruptible seeds, but of uncorruptible seed, which is the word of God that endures and lasts forever. Do you realize what is going to save souls? What is going to bring salvation? Are you listening to me? The preaching of God's word. I want you to know that I am bothered by and I'm not the only one. I talked to my mentor and he is bothered by many of our kids' camps because they come in and they jump up and down during the music and they high-five and they dance and when the music's over, they sit down and within 30 seconds, their heads are leaning on one another and they're sound asleep. Come on! It don't just happen at kids' camp. It's probably worse than that at youth camp. Because they get caught up in the praise and worship and they're jumping up and down and they're doing this and they're doing the motions and when the, when the praise team sets down and the preacher takes off with us saith the word of God in a 30 seconds, they're leaning on one another sound asleep. But let me take it a step further. 
There is people who decide where they're going to attend church according to the praise and the worship. Meaning there's some people that come to church, get all caught up in the music, have an emotional experience, but when the preacher steps up there, the emotions have settled down, and whether they look like it or not, they're sound asleep, and some of them look like it. There's a pastor that talked to me the other day. He's an interim of a church. And he said, man, I tell you what, our music is terrible. He said, but I tell you what, they just keep coming. Let me say that again. Don't, don't you listen. You better have some reverence for God's word right now. Our music is terrible, but they keep coming. That's bittersweet. Bitter in that the music ain't real good and don't really lead you to praise and worship. But you talk about sweet. They're still coming and they're coming to hear thus saith the word of God. And he said, and people are being saved and lives are being changed. I said, yes, sir. Folks, listen. We ought to choose churches. We ought to choose youth camp and kids camp, Brother Dave. By the preacher. Amen. Not by the preacher, by the preaching right. of God's Word. Amen. Look up here. I'm not knocking music. We are told to praise and worship in spirit and truth. But I want you to look up here. God didn't choose the foolishness of music to save souls. Right. Right. He chose the foolishness of preaching God's Word. Amen. It readies our heart. We worship God. But listen, it takes the reverence of God's Word. For salvation. Well, I tell you what, I, I read, I heard a story yesterday. Woo. Single mom, house full of kids, in a dark place, couldn't take it. Got her pistol, went to her closet, sat down in that dark closet, pulled the hammer back on that pistol, stuck it to her temple before she pulled the trigger. With tears running down her face, she said, If there's a God in heaven, Please give me a reason you want me here on earth before I pull this trigger. He showed up. And in that dark place, in that dark closet with a pistol to her head, she heard one of her kids saying, Mommy, Mommy, Mommy! Before she dropped that pistol, she hid it, she come out of that closet. And he ran up here and said, Look what I got at school today. So give him life. Oh, man. She began to read it. She began to go to church where they would preach it. And she found out there is a God of heaven. And he had a reason for her being on earth. Folks, if you ain't figured it out, we need the word of God. From this text emerges the ratifying of God's word, which should bring confirmation. From this text emerges reverencing God's word. It's the truth. And it brings salvation. But from this text emerges receiving God's word. That's for sanctification. Look at it. Verse 21 starts with a therefore. So before we look at what's behind the therefore, we better jump up and see what's before the therefore. Because the therefore ties them together. 
He says, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. What's righteousness mean? In right standing with God. If you're always talking, if you're always mad, you're never going to know how to be right with God. So let every man be swift to hear. Slow to speak, slow to wrath. If you want to know what it means to be in right standing with God. Therefore, I ain't going to tell you how to do it. Therefore, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Now, on the surface, you think that's talking simply about salvation. He's done talked about that. Because it was the word of truth that He brought you forth. That's salvation. But now He wants you to live in right standing with Him, so you need to listen. Slow to speak, slow to wrath. He wants to sanctify you, which simply means He wants to use you. So watch this. He says... Lay aside all filthiness. Look it up in the Greek. You know what that is? You know what it's a picture of? Get the wax out of your ear. In other words, when you come to church, make sure you've got ears to hear. Make sure you've got them cleaned out and make sure you're listening. That's what the filthiness means. And then he says, not only lay aside the filthiness, get the wax out of your ears. He says, lay aside all wickedness. That's the weeds. In other words, get rid of the wax in your ears and get rid of the weeds in your life. Because the weeds in your life can choke out. Come on, go back to Brother Gary's sermon. They can choke out the Word of God, the seed. So when we come to church, guess what? Clean out your ears. Get rid of the wax. When you come to church, get rid of the weeds. So lest it choke out the seed, which is the Word of God. And receive. There it is. With meekness. What's meekness? Come on, it's the horse breaking term. It's a bit in the mouth. Lots of cowboys here this morning. You like a soft mouth horse? You like a soft mouth side? Some of you said, no, you're not a cowboy because you do. You want to stop them with one finger. You want to move them with one little nudge of the feet. You know what God just said? I want you people to be like a good horse that you control with just a fingertip or a slight move of the feet. And here's where that really goes and really gets you. I've used this illustration for Kef Roper once a horse that comes off his hand where he times the start of the box. But you know where they used it? And it makes a lot more sense and it's a lot more convicting. They're talking about war horses. They didn't have helicopters and tanks and they didn't have these things that was worked by controls when they went to war. You know what they went to war on? Ponies. Horses. And let me tell you, when they chose a war horse, guess what they wanted? Come on. 
Not just any horse made a war horse. He better, when I give him the slightest little tug, stop because if he don't, he'll take me right in harm's way. He'll get me killed. I'm telling you, I need a horse that's going to move off my feet because if he don't move off my feet the direction I need him to move, he could get me killed. And do you realize that the Word of God has life in it? Yes. And if you're not meek and receive it, come on, it could get you killed. Yeah. And he said the implanted Word. You know what the real word in the Greek is there? Engrafted. What happens when the team roper gets that thumb cut off? And he wraps it up in a rope and glove or something. He hustles down to the hospital. He gets it sewed back on. The doctor will look at him and say, Time will tell whether the grafting works. Doesn't it? Well, we've had a lot of people walk the aisle this week. Amen. Huh? Time will tell. Remember text. Remember Gary said we're to sow the seed, not evaluate the soil? Well, let me tell you, when you come to church, you are the soil. Let me tell you what you need to do. Every time before you come to church, every time before you have a quiet time, let me tell you what you are to do. You are to ask the Holy Spirit to hook up His tractor. You are to tell Him, get the plow on. And you are to ask Him to dig that plow through the soul of your heart. That it will be ready to receive the seed. And it will take up root. And it will grow. Are you with me? The ratifying of God's words, that brings confirmation. we got a good book. we got a perfect book. These are words of God. The reverence of God's word, that brings salvation. The receiving of God's word, that brings sanctification. If we receive it, then we can be used by God. But look here, there's another point that emerges from this scripture. And that is the responding to God's Word. It brings separation. But be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. I want you to look up here and I want you to listen. You know where what we've been in front of all week long? It's not loaded. We've been in front of the mirror of God's holy, inspired, infallible word. And I'm going to tell you what it's done. It's exposed how filthy we really are. Has it not? These revival meetings, they're going to be over. Man, do we not have an opportunity to show it exciting southeast? We don't just believe that it's about a church. Do we not have an opportunity to say we believe it's about the kingdom? Because that guy that preached here last night is going to be at First Baptist Church, Telequal. And you've got a pastor right here that says, get your tail up there. 
because this is about the kingdom. And I'm going to tell you, do the same thing with their revival. Be praying, be present, and take a prospect. We have got an opportunity exciting Southeast to do what we've heard this week. What we hear, revel in others' victories. We ought to be up there in attendance. And when somebody gets saved up there at First Baptist Telephone, we ought to shout that building down just like we shout this tent down. When it happened. Had we not? Is it about the kingdom or is it about exciting Southeast Baptist Church? And we've got somebody said, are we going to overtime? You bet, but we're changing courts. That's a challenge. So look here. We've been in front of the mirror of God's Word all week long. Bill Britt said this last night. Now keep in mind, I've never met Bill Britt. I stepped up there, shook his hand, gave him an honorarium, and he said, Brother, I can tell your people's been preached to. He said, you do revivals? I said, I do. He said, you know what I mean then? I said, I do know what you mean. I have preached where they're dumb on one end and numb on the other. I've been there and done that. He said, me too, brother. And he said, I can tell your people's been preached to. And I'm not just talking about this week. Your people's been preached to. So what's that mean? It means we get in front of the mirror three times a week. And we need to respond to God's Word. And meaning when we are doing the Word, that means we're coming out from among them and being separate. When we go into the workplace because we respond to the Word, somebody in that workplace says there's something different about them. That's responding to the Word. But too many people they look into the mirror of God's Word. They leave the services and go right back. Forget what, how filthy. Forget how unholy. Forget how unrighteous they really are. God help us to respond by being a doer of the Word and not a hearer only. And that means separation. But can I give you one more point that emerges from this text? It's the results of doing God's Word that bring celebration. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, this good and perfect book, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed. And every time God blesses me, I'm here to tell you, it brings celebration to my life, Brother Harold. That means when I understand in this text God's ratified, that's confirmation. This is a good, but not only good, perfect book. When I understand I've got to give reverence to the Word of God and it's brought salvation, then it moves on and lets me realize I've got to receive the Word of God and that brings sanctification. And when I respond to the Word of God, when I live it out in my life, that brings separation. And when I do that, that simply means I'm looking into the perfect law of liberty. I'm not forgetting what it says. 
I'm continuing in it. And God who sits high looks low and says, I'm going to bless that boy. I'm going to bless that girl. I'm going to bless that family. I'm going to bless that church. I'm going to bless their socks off with their shoes on because they realize they need the Word of God. Amen. So don't you want the blessings? That's the results of just flat realizing you need His Word. The other story I heard yesterday was about a man, Catholic background, met a woman, atheist background. What do you think that house is going to be like? Oh, they dated, they dated, they set a date, a little bit backwards. They was going to buy that house together and go ahead and move in together. It was closing day on that house. The fiancé and that of the woman was driving while the man who had the Catholic background, he was simply looking over the paperwork before closing to make sure there wasn't something hidden in it. And she was questioning him a little bit and run a red light. And when she run that red light, she plowed into the side of a brand new F-154 pickup. True story. Demolished. But thanks be to God, even though she didn't think there was a God, thanks be to God, everybody was okay. She was hysterical. She was a wreck. Her emotions was running. And so was her boyfriend's. But to their surprise, the guy, they was just in a jalopy. In the Greek. Well, not in the Greek. But in my translation, that's just a junk call. <laughs> Get all preachy, don't it? Uh-huh. And they just couldn't believe that brand new Ford F-150. And they were so hysterical and so upset, but they noticed the man was just as calm as he could be. It was their fault, and he was hugging them up and assuring them it was going to be all right. He said, matter of fact, i got a gift for you. And he pulled out two Bibles. And he gave each one of them a Bible. But he didn't just give them the Bible, so to see. He stayed in touch. They began to read that Bible. And then they accepted the invitation that he'd give them to church. And over time, after reading the Bible, and over time of being in several services, they'd yet to walk the aisle. This man decided, I'm going to have him over for steak. I'm going to have him over for dinner. All started with a wreck. He invited them over. And before they ever ate, before they ever set a thing on the table, they sat down. And he looked at them and he said, Ain't you guys about ready? They looked at each other and looked at him and said, Ready for what? He said, Ready to receive the gospel that you found in that book that I give you. Are you ready to follow through? with what God desires you to do. And right there, that couple said yes 
they were saved. And they followed through with baptism, church membership, and better than that, a sanctified and separated life. Look up here. I'm going to use that man's words that he said. And he's down on the table. I want everybody to look up here. You ready? You ready? Some of you have been in church a long time. And you ain't never received the gospel down in your heart. You ready? Some of you sit in church and you ain't never been sanctified and separated for God's use. You ready? Huh? You've sat here all week and some of you know that you know that you know you need to walk this aisle and give your life to Jesus. So I ask you this morning, you ready? You say ready for what? Ready to receive the gospel. The forgiveness of sins. Are you ready? You've been toying with it for a long, long time. You've even some of you toyed with it this week. And I think it's time that you follow through. Is it salvation? Is it sanctification? Is it separation? Or is it service? I'm just telling you. It's time. Today's the day.